0: Welcome to this podcast. This is a continuation from our previous podcast about confronting culture. Isaiah 6 is our text. From verse 6 to 7 it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal, that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. We discussed about Isaiah six in our previous podcast series on ministering unto the Lord, and we gave quite a number of things about that so I'll not mention everything, but the context of the book is that the false Messiah of Israel had died, King Uzziah, the hope of Israel, and that he Just when he died, Isaiah received a high and a lifted vision of God. So at this point, because Israel's hope in Uzziah had gone, they felt vulnerable to the superpower in that area at that time, which was Assyria. And so this vision, in as much as it is a recommissioning or like a a restoration or a a new sending of the prophet it is also the answer that God is giving to a people that are seeking answers outside of him and so God's answer to a threatened Israel was his holiness that when they're able to see how high and lifted he is and how holy he is in his temple just as the seraphim were declaring that that was the solution for them at that point. And number two, seeing the glory of God, that it is filling the earth and that he is the Lord of hosts, he is the Lord of angel armies, that if the Israelites are able to see that they would be able to know just how little Assyria is as compared to the Lord of Hosts, and so it is. In the midst of this vision, that Isaiah finds himself himself exposed. The reason why we are saying it's sort of a recommissioning or a reinvention of the prophet is because he's already a seasoned prophet, but that he finds himself himself with unclean lips, just as the people of Israel have. And so it is at this point of realization that this seraphim, a serpent-like creature that is fiery and burning comes with a call from the presence of God and purifies his mouth and his sins are atoned for. So this is the place where not only does the prophet see how his sin is exposed Not only does he see how serious his sin is, not only does he see how serious the sin of his people is, but that he's able to receive the forgiveness of the Lord. He's able to be in the presence of God and to feel the forgiveness of God and that he's changed by that and that he's transformed by that. Then God sends him to a people that will be hard are people that will be rebellious, are people that will not want to hear his message. And God tells him, go and declare to them. Even though the more you preach to them the message, the more they will refuse it because no one will want holiness. No one will want something that looks that spiritual as holiness as a solution during the time when we're in economic and military crisis. No one will want to hear that the glory of God is greater than the Assyrians when at that moment the only people that they are seeing are the Assyrians with their mighty armies. And so if Isaiah had not been before God's presence and experienced his forgiveness, he would go down to these people and his message would be rejected and Isaiah would feel bad in his heart and cast the people. And he, he would feel self-righteous. And he would feel like, because I have been in God's presence and I've seen it, you guys are less, less righteous than me. But do you know why he will not do that? Because of what happened in God's presence. That he himself was able to see how unclean he is, the same as the people. But that the difference was that God changed him there. And so he will come to the people. Yes, to address sin and not to condone it. Because he has seen that God didn't condone his sin. But he will address their sin with grace. And this is exactly what the council culture lacks in the church today. So three things that I want us to discuss. Number one. Let us not forget God's forgiveness and mercy. If we are not constantly in God's presence where he exposes our sins by rebuking us and he's not doing this as a dictator, as a totalitarian, as a perfectionist. He's doing it as a dear father that longs for his children to mature if we are not in God's presence where our sins is constantly exposed and we see how imperfect we are and we encounter the forgiveness and the love of God in our heart regardless of how much we have sinned we will always go to people and demand perfection and so cancel culture is a demand for perfection when it is not possible on this earth Matthew 7 says to this it's one of the longest theology given by jesus about judging others from verse 1 to 6 he starts very deliberately by saying the look before you judge another person remember to look at the log in your eye before you remove the speck in another brother's eye remember the log in your own eye the contrast of a speck and a log means that you are, the posture of your heart should be that look, however I feel that this person is sinning or they have done something wrong I should view myself I should always view myself as being worse than my brother not viewing myself higher than them in any case, in any incidents, regardless of what they have done And this attitude only comes by being in God's presence and being changed, being transformed. So, Matthew 7 verse verse 1 to 6 comes before Jesus tells us about designing the sheep from the wolves. That is verse 15 to 20. So before we design the sheep from the wolves, let us remove the log in our own eye number 2 let's remember that our judgment right now is a training towards eternity what do i mean 1st corinthians 6 when one of you has a grievance against another does he dare to go to law that means to go to courts and things like those before the unrighteous instead of the saints or do you know that the saints will judge the world and if the world is judged by you are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels how much more than the matters pertaining to this life? And so let us know that judging others it is a responsibility it is a privilege given by God and that it sh- It should be stewarded well. Don't just throw words out there. Remember that you are doing your training for eternity. Third point, number three. Let us not curse what the Lord has blessed. Division is distasteful to God. Do I need to tell you the story of Balaam? And how God made various attempts to stop him and even almost killed him when he wanted to curse the people of Israel. This is what Ephesians chapter 4 says. This is a verse that has often been misused, but the context is about our speech. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Are you noticing that causing division grieves the Holy Spirit. Many a times we have read this verse, it's as if every little thing that we do grieves the Holy Spirit. But the context of this verse is our speech is our mouth. Let no corrupt communication come out of you except for what edifies, what imparts grace to the hear. Because if you don't do that, You are grieving the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So yes, your salvation is intact. Yes, you are sealed for redemption. No no doubt about that. But do you want, just out of a relational point of view, this is not legalist, out of a relational point of view, would you want to offend and to grieve someone that you dearly love? That's what you do every time to your Heavenly Father. That's what He feels every time we say words that demean others. Words that make them to feel like they are less Christians. Words that make them to feel like we are saying that our church is better than theirs. And He finishes by declaring that our tenderheartedness, our kindness... And our forgiveness will come from a revelation of how much God forgave us. So, cancel culture, I believe, is a symptom of a society that is seeking to speak the truth, but it doesn't know how to speak it in love. And so, you have hurt people in church communities. ...who have been given religion. They've been given religion... ...not God. And... ...instead of being pointed to the healing power of God's love... ...they become religious prefects... ...that shush down anyone who disagrees with them. And so... ...that religion makes sense... To people who feel they are depressed and they have a low esteem. Because it is a controlled and a predictable environment. But the solution to this is encountering God for yourself. That ends all religion. Do you remember Paul being a zealous Pharisee? And he thought that what he was doing, he was doing it for God. You can read Galatians chapter 1 about his testimony and also in the book of Acts. And that he himself was also counselling Christians, literally murdering them because he thought that him as a Jew, he was better in knowing God than those. What was the solution to Paul? His conversion when he met with Jesus. Encountering God changed him forever. Peter himself, jumping from one camp to another. This day he's with Messianic Jews. The other day he wants to be with Kosher Jews. Deep inside his heart, he knows that he's counseling Gentiles because he doesn't feel that what they eat, that their lifestyle, you know, is relatable to the God of Israel. Remember in Acts ten that God had to give him a vision and show him all the all those meats that you know kosher Jews don't take, and that Peter had to be told by God that do not do not declare unclean what I have made, and that he is directed to Cornelius, who is an Italian. Uh, one of the italian uh, political people but that he was he was just a kind man a generous man but he had not met with jesus but that paul uh, sorry peter could not go to declare the gospel to cornelius and his house if god had not changed him in his presence so Encountering God instead of religion, it allows us to preach a relationship-based conversion, which requires time and it is messy. You see, religion wants people to be perfect today and it is not possible. We will will only be, we will only act, we will only pretend because there are rules and laws on Sunday. But that on monday until saturday we have gone back to our habits behind closed doors and that's what legalism does it does not change people from the heart paul and peter were people who were changed and they were transformed that deep inside their hearts whether no one was seeing or not their attitude towards believers changed and you know, that slow but sure transformational process. You know, like in Galatians chapter 1, Paul had to go through lots and lots of years without even preaching, without even knowing him. <laughs> that is the heart of the gospel. Because <clears throat> we see many agricultural metaphors that are used by Jesus in scripture about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is is like a seed. It's like a tree, it's like a farmer. There are many agricultural themes surrounding the kingdom of God. Do you know why? Because the kingdom of God is not mechanical. It's not something that we will make in a short time. And it's like an engine and it's going to work. No, it's something that you plant in a field and it grows and it's messy. There are times you don't even know whether it's coming up. And it takes time. Every, everyone that does farming knows that patience is the number one quality. But you know what is that when the fruits come when the fruits of kindness when the fruits of tender-heartedness and and speaking truth when they come from such people is that they will be permanent because it comes very naturally now it was not forced it was not a law it was something that they encountered god for themselves in their closed doors that when they come outside Yes, they will address the sins of the people and they will not condone it, but they will do it with much forgiveness. So let's remember 2 Corinthians 13 about of the veil of Moses being removed, the veil of sin and condemnation. And where is it removed from the holy place of God? Just as Isaiah and that in that place we are now able to see god face to face the shekinah glory that was only in the holy of holies and that we are changed we are transformed the word there is being it's like the stages of a butterfly developing from adult from from i i, I don't remember the whole process very well but it was like from a tiny worm up to an adult butterfly it takes time it takes seasons Sometimes it looks messy. It isn't has to shed off its skin and stuff. And that's the process of growth. We have to allow people to have that process of growth because when the fruits come, they will blossom and they will mature. So social media creates this false sense of anonymity, you know, that now it, it seems to prevent present this perfect opportunity for these hard religious people in churches to practice uh, deconstructive criticism using bible verses there is constructive criticism and then there's deconstructive criticism sorry that's a mouthful yes there's criticism that is needed but it is full of love it is full of the truth of God and His Word, yes, but it is full of love and understanding. But these guys come with deconstructive criticism, you know, to to tramp people, to make them feel low, to step on them, and that kind of holier than thou attitude that we want to we want to pinch and to slap and to beat, so that people know that they are not walking right with God. And that only hurts and it doesn't heal. And so because we find that social media gives us this anonymity that no one will know us, therefore we feel that we should go there. And so this cancel culture is a projection of people who have been in religion and their heart inside. Maybe their heart because of their background. Maybe their heart because of many things in the past. And sometimes maybe because they even hurt with the church. And now because they have never encountered God for themselves as Isaiah, they were never changed and transformed. They were never healed. They were never restored. And hurt people will always go and hurt people. Forgiven people will go and forgive. So lastly, I just want you to know that cancel culture is a sign of what is coming. This is just the beginning of an anti-semitic that means people who are opposed to israel and anti-messianic that means people who are opposed to true followers of jesus and a murderous church that will disagree with the beast that i mean that will agree with the beast of revelation do you know how the saints as we're told in the book of revelation that they will be killing people Thinking that they are doing a work for the for Lord for the God uh, I mean for our God, it's because they have never encountered Him for themselves. They are still in that Saul period before he became Paul, a murderous church that is against Israel, that is against people who follow God. They just want to be told that everything will be peaceful, everything will be okay, or they want to be told. That they are sinful, and there 's nothing they can do about it and so on one end, we have people who have the fear of being cancelled, and so churches that have a fear of being cancelled, they tolerate sin and so what will happen with such churches is that they will start to welcome even homosexuals to be pastors and reverence is already happening and they'll start building an environment of inclusion so much that if anyone is opposed to them they will they will look for for them to sue them and even to murder them on the other side there will be churches where the cancel cancel culture thrives in a way that they are just so polarized and they will not accept any objections and disagreements to their religion. Legalists, they are are religiously bound people with strict rules and observations. And so they will seek even to kill and to hurt anyone that does not agree with them. And so friends, this can go down very badly. And let us not be surprised that in the book of Revelation, saints, like I've told you, saints are killing other people because they think they're doing a work for God. And it all starts here. Let us go back to God's presence. Let us experience His love and His grace and His kindness. Because without that, we will always project ourselves to be higher than others.